hello and welcome to the Interrobang podcast. I'm your host for this week, Hannah Theodore. It is so great to be back posting the podcast. I hope everyone out there has been well and you've been enjoying all the work we've been doing this year. 2022 is already shaping up to be really exciting with our Black History Month issue coming out the first week of February and our diversity issue coming out shortly after. Speaking of the diversity issue, we're actually coordinating a cover contest for that issue right now as we speak. If you've always dreamed of seeing your art on the cover of Interrobang, this is your chance. All you have to do is visit the interrobang.ca slash contests, fill out the submission form and download the specifications that are going to tell you all about sizing, placement, etc. Your art should tell us what diversity means to you. And the best part is the winner will receive a $200 prepaid visa card. So artists, graphic designers, really anyone out there, get your submissions in ASAP. I cannot wait to see what you all come up with. Now, just on to a quick recap of some of the top stories from the latest issue of Interrobang. Foundry First, the off-campus student residence, is considering armed security after a January assault. Foundry Management sent a note to residents after a hectic New Year's Eve weekend, saying that after a serious assault took place at the residence, the building is now considering implementing some increased security measures. Some of the measures proposed included a guest sign-in program, on-site staff, and armed security. London police were made aware of a minor assault that took place that weekend in the 600 block of 1st Street, but there's no confirmation that that was the same incident Foundry was referring to. Police say there were no charges laid in that incident. And changes to the G-Road test are making it easier for international students with prior driving experience to get certified. Earlier this month, the Ontario government announced that they'd be stripping down the G-Test in order to streamline the testing process, which has been severely backed up due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The changes remove things like parallel parking and emergency stops from the G-Test, as most of those requirements already appear on the G-2 test. Fanshawe student Luan Pestro, an international student from Brazil, was able to get fully certified in just three days after bypassing the G2 test altogether thanks to his prior driving experience in Brazil. While some have raised concerns over the lack of attention to things like emergency stops in particular, for Pestro, the recent changes were a good coincidence. And in labor dispute news, the College Employer Council, or CEC, is putting its latest employer offer to a vote for all union members. The final offer is fairly similar to the terms and conditions laid out by the CEC in December. If the members accept the offer, the months-long labor dispute will come to an end. I recently sat down with OPSU 110 President Daryl Bedford to chat a bit more about what this vote means and why the CEC is calling it now. Have a listen. Well, I want to jump right in with, uh, with sure. the, the why question here. Why do you think that the CEC has requested this vote uh, to employees now? That's a great question. I mean, um, why is, is, is a perfect question. There seems to be no particular reason. I can speculate as to why they might be doing this. I mean, one reason might be that the government does not want this to drag into an election period. And so there's considerable pressure on the CEC to bring things to a resolution. Um, and that could be why they're, they're calling this vote now. 
Um, this is the third time that they've called a vote like this since they've had the ability to do it. Um, and, uh, you know, why is a great question because there's nothing particularly new in what they have offered. <laughs> there, there is, uh, it's, it, there's no compelling reason that faculty would all of a sudden be excited about what's in that offer now. I guess, yeah, in, in your opinion, I mean, how does this offer look to you? What, what boxes is it checking? Which ones is it not checking? Well, it doesn't check very many because yeah. it's, it's virtually a repeat of, of an offer they've given before and, and, and not very different from the changes they imposed on December 13th. So uh, for those who, who may recall, like on December 13th, the College Employer Council imposed terms and conditions of work. Uh, it's the second time they've done that. Um, and it doesn't seem to show respect for the bargaining process. So rather than uh, trying to reach uh, some kind of agreement at the table, um, it, it, they're, they're bypassing it and going directly to members. But I mean, it doesn't check any of the boxes when it comes to concerns around privatization, right? Such as the private college deal that Fanshawe announced with ILAC. Uh, it doesn't deal with any intellectual property concerns that, that relate to privatization. So there's nothing to address, you know, whether our work can be sold or transferred to another party. Um, there's nothing in there that, that deals with um, any immediate workload changes. So anything that people are struggling with, with online or with, through the pandemic, there's nothing there for that. Basically what you have is you have a lot of committees where there's no guarantee that anything will result from the committee. So we've had this before with committees such as, um, you know, the counseling class definition committee or, or previous workload task force or, or um, um, the intellectual property committee. I mean, it's great to have a committee, but if, if the uh, recommendations are gonna go nowhere, and there's no body or person at the end who can actually implement any of them. I, you know, I think people are skeptical, like what good will these do? Um, so, you know, it, it, does, it, doesn't really, it doesn't really seem to offer anything. I mean, for if anybody thought that there might be, you know, a signing bonus or, or, or some kind of uh, wage increase, um, there's not that either. Um, I, you know, they, they've, they've already given us the 1% as of the imposed terms on December 13th. So, um, and they did, they did nothing else. So there's really, there's really no reason that people would really want to vote yes. Yeah, I mean, do you have a sense maybe of like how faculty might respond to this? Like, how do you see this playing out? I, the, the only thing that I think the CEC is trying to do here is to say, well, you know, if you're tired of working to rule or you, 
you know, vote yes and, and then bargaining's over. But I mean, the danger in voting yes is why would the CEC take faculty concerns seriously ever again in the future? If they can just simply bypass the bargaining team, give an offer directly to the membership and just say, here, just take this, say yes, you know, make everybody's life easy. Just, just, you know, accept this. What, what's the point, you know, members might be sitting there thinking, well, why, why put my concerns forward? If my concerns are, are just going to end up as yet another committee <laughs> or another task force, and they're never actually going to go anywhere, if there's never going to be a desire to make changes. Um, so, you know, it's just adding more cynicism to the process. Um, and so I, I believe members will reject this. Um, you know, it's, it doesn't offer them anything in particular. Arguably for, for some groups like our counselors, the way it changes the counseling class definition, it would seem to narrow their, their duties. Um, you know, they're concerned about that because counselors at Fanshawe do a lot. We have accessibility counselors, we have personal uh, counselors, but we, you know, they, they, um, they, they, they counsel students in a lot of different ways. Um, and, you know, to fail to recognize all the things they do, um, that's a problem. And, and they're concerned about the future, you know, what will colleges try and do? Will they try and, you know, outsource some of that work or would they try and give it to support staff? So, you know, there's, there's, um, there's concern that this um, offer doesn't put us on the right path and arguably puts us on the wrong path. Uh, so I think members will reject it because it really doesn't, really doesn't offer them anything. There's a, an interesting note in this, uh, in the FAQ that I was reading through where the CEC makes a point to say that they've urged the union to allow teachers uh, to continue teaching until the vote results come in. Was that ever a question even? No, it wasn't <laughs> even a question because with work to rule, um, the people were working to the workload uh, or, or the contract that they have. So, so, you know, for the most part, students um, may not have seen that much of a difference. There, there are some things that, that you know, um, that faculty might have been doing on their own time that, that benefited students. And, and you know, um, uh, there may have been activities and things that students would have maybe experienced, but, you know, faculty didn't do them because they were doing those previously under their own time. Um, but in terms of the core functions of the job, preparing for class, going to class, evaluating student work, that hasn't really changed. <laughs> so, um, you know, I, I think the CEC seems to be very bent out of shape by the effect it's had on their managers because there are things that faculty haven't done. Um, managers have been accustomed to piling work onto coordinators and just having coordinators do it. Um, the, uh, um, 
and and uh, that they seemed to be so uh, bent out of shape that we were communicating with students that we were adding a signature line, you know, to our emails to indicate that we were on work to rule and pointing students and, and members of the public where they could go to get more information. And, and I think they, they seem to be so um, upset by that, um, <laughs> that, that uh, yeah, that they decided to call this, this offer vote. I think for the CEC, maybe this has had a bigger impact on them than an outright strike would. That, that at, at this level, return to uh, that work to rule was working because it, uh, at a number of colleges, managers have felt this effect or the fact that students were asking questions that, that, uh, that uh, they, they just didn't um, realize how little time faculty have to evaluate student work, for example. So, you know, this, um, this has made a difference in it, and it seems to have rattled the CEC, and maybe that's the answer to why they're calling the vote. Right, yes. Yeah, I mean, something you said earlier that, like, there seems to just be a desire to, to just want to put this to bed and, and stop the, the conversation from happening. Almost. Yeah, to stop the conversation, and really, for the union, we would prefer to go back to the bargaining table, mm -hmm. uh, continue the conversation, actually engage on issues that matter, such as privatization and what assurance faculty have that they won't lose their jobs. Mm -hmm. You know, it's one thing for Fanshawe to say, oh, you know, this private college deal, we're going to take the, the revenue from that and we're going to invest it into Southwestern Ontario. Okay, but where's the assurance that that's mm -hmm. going to happen? Right? Where, where's the contract language that says that people won't lose their jobs as a result of that kind of contracting out? Um, so yeah, they, they seem to just want to close down the conversations. We want to have that conversation. You know, do, do they think that this is okay? Do they support privatization? I mean, they're supposed to represent public colleges. So what's their attitude on this? Um, so yeah, uh, rather than shut the conversation down, we wanna have that conversation with them, with our students, with the public. Um, and we don't see any reason to shut it down right now. Um, you know, we've, we're in this work to rule stage. That's, that's where we're at. We're not looking to escalate. We're not looking to do anything um, you know, that we aren't already doing now. And um, um, under that circumstance, we're like, all right, let's get back to a bargaining table. Mm -hmm. If failing that, if they won't go back to the table, then the unions made the offer, let's go to binding arbitration. We can send all the outstanding issues to binding arbitration. That would, that would bring it to an end. Um, you know, instead the parties would be presenting to an arbitrator and um, that would achieve what they say they want. If they want to bring it to an end, that's an easy way to bring it to an end because the union has said, and, and unions don't always want to do that, right? Because you never know with an arbitrator, but, you know, we're confident in putting it in the hands of an arbitrator to say, okay, here's the case we're willing to make for what we've put forward. 
uh, let's put it in front of an arbitrator and we're willing to accept what the arbitrator decides. So, mm -hmm. so really, you know, um, it's mystifying that they won't take that offer, right? Mm -hmm. Because, because uh, really, like I said, not every union is willing to do that. We are. We're willing to have an arbitrator um, uh, render a decision on it. If, if they're not willing to talk about it, if they're not willing to continue the conversation, then there is a way to bring that to an end. Yeah. So I guess ultimately, is there maybe um, a message that you would send to faculty members um, as they consider this offer and they consider this vote process? Uh, I think that people should consider what they and their colleagues have, have been raising as issues. Mm -hmm. And if you ever expect in the future that there's ever going to be progress, whatever issue you're concerned about, right, if you're a counselor or if you're a coordinator or if you're full-time faculty who's teaching online, which most of us are right now, or your partial load and you're precariously employed, whatever it is you care about, if you ever expect that the College Employer Council is going to take that seriously and actually have that conversation, then you need to vote no. Because if you vote yes, why would the CEC ever take faculty concerns seriously? Because then they could just ignore the bargaining process. They could just simply put, put it down as an offer, put it to a vote. And, and so, you know, if for any faculty who are reading this, <laughs> consider, does this CC offer really do anything for you? Does it address any of your concerns? If you ever expect your concerns to be dealt with, um, then vote no. Uh, vote no to the offer. Um, you know, send that message. Um, I think members realize that it's, they won't see all of their concerns addressed at once. You know, it's, it's not going to happen. They, you won't get everything you ask for. But I think, though, people do um, hope that uh, their concerns are taken seriously and that, that, there's actually concrete measures, you know, not just endless committees, uh, that there's something concrete that they can say, yes, we've made progress here. We've had this conversation. I feel that my concerns have been listened to. I feel that we're on the path to addressing them. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, really, um, think about what it is that the CC offer is going to do and, and think long-term, you know, simply voting yes might feel like an easy way out, but if you do that, why would the CC ever take your concerns seriously again? So, uh, I certainly ask our members to, to stop and ask questions, ask questions of your union. Um, and uh, we'll, we'll, be, uh, we'll be in conversation with members. Uh, we'll be fielding their questions and, uh, about the offer in, uh, in the days and weeks to come. 
yeah, there's a, a bit of a timeline here, right? I think they said like three weeks for it to be approved or something. Or Well, it, it's very dependent on the OLRB, right? Oh, yeah, I mean, right. that's an assumption, but the OLRB uh, under the legislation must conduct all votes mm-hmm. in the college system. So it will really depend on what the OLRB um, um, decides as far mm-hmm. as timeline and voting process and so on. Um, in the 2017 strike, it, it was a good two-week process, but for our strike vote, it was a much quicker process. So, so it really, it really is dependent on the OLRB. Uh, but we're prepared to to answer questions about the offer, any any concerns that members have, and um, you know, we um, uh, we think we'll be able to do that before the vote opens. Yeah. Awesome. Carol, thank you so much for your time. I always appreciate it. Welcome. Okay. Thanks so much for listening to another episode of the Interabang podcast. Catch up with all the stories we discussed today on our website and be sure to follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And if all that was not enough, subscribe to our newsletter to keep up with all things Fanshawe. For the Interabang, I'm Hannah Theodore.